0: Hello, I'm Petri Hoskin, and if you're listening to this show, then it's safe to say you'll love Hacks and Flax. Hacks and Flax is where you get the inside scoop on how journalist hacks and the flax of government and business work behind the scenes to decide which stories you'll be reading with your morning coffee, and perhaps, more importantly, how they keep certain headlines off the front pages. I'm assisted by a regular panel of hacks and flax who lift the lid on that special relationship between press and politics. So let hacks and flax blow your mind and change the way you look at news forever.
1: Nick Abbott on LBC. Call 0345 6060 973. Yes, I'm not entirely sure we could do this, but let's try and cross to America and talk to Simon Mark. Simon. Nick, can Ah, you hear me? Ah, there you are. The wonders of modern technology. Back with sound. How (laughs) marvelous to talk to you again. And to you. Now, uh, let's start with Russia, uh, shall we? Mm, Um, What's been the response in America to what's happened this week? Well, uh, obviously
0: the weekend has been a dizzying one, particularly for President Joe Biden, who even as we speak is about to return to Washington, D.C. from from Camp David, uh, where he headed on Friday night. He was joined there over the weekend by National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and other top White House officials, and he spent most of the weekend uh, not only observing uh, and uh, trying to understand what took place in Moscow over the last... Uh, 48 hours and Russia more broadly uh, but also reaching out to allies. He spoke to uh, the Prime Minister, he spoke to Emmanuel Macron, he spoke to the German Chancellor, he spoke today uh, to Justin Trudeau up in Canada. So an enormous focus uh, on those events in Russia. Now the White House let it be known through uh, leaks to uh, newspapers here including the New York Times uh, that they say they had intelligence As early as last Wednesday, indicating that Yevgeny Prigozhin, uh, the head of this brutal group of mercenaries, the Wagner Group, who have uh, caused mayhem in Ukraine and in many other parts uh, of the world uh, going back several years now, they say they had intelligence as early as last Wednesday that he was planning some kind of military challenge in his ongoing bid to secure change at the top of the Russian military. Uh, He's been uh, uniquely uh, among Russians, voicing fury for months about the way in which uh, the war in Ukraine uh, has been prosecuted by the Russian army and particularly by its military uh, and strategic chiefs. Uh, I say uniquely because no other Russian would get away with saying the things about Vladimir Putin's government and particularly its uh, military members uh, other than Yevgeny. And the United States has struggled for months to understand exactly why that is. I mean, Alexei Navalny, who went on trial again uh, just over the last few days, the Russian opposition leader, uh, is in a penal colony uh, on the outskirts of Moscow, 150 miles away from Moscow, for voicing uh, very similar sentiments towards the war in Ukraine that Yevgeny Prigozhin has been voicing uh, without any consequences. So the White House says... It knew this was going to happen. It didn't disclose it publicly because it didn't want Vladimir Putin to accuse the Biden administration of fomenting a coup. Well, whatever the truth is of what those intelligence reports were last week, it's clear that the White House was caught completely off guard by Prigozhin's decision late on Saturday after uh, the front line of Wagner troop mercenaries had reached Moscow to order a retreat from Moscow. And while the Secretary of State Antony Blinken said today there are real cracks now appearing in Vladimir uh, Putin's authority uh, and command of the country, they still don't really understand why Prigozhin ordered a retreat. One top U.S. official called it a mystery... Uh, A former top U.S. official said to me yesterday, this is getting more bizarre by the minute. And I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, while they say that Putin's control and authority uh, is now showing real cracks, there are still all sorts of unanswered questions about precisely what went on behind the scenes over the last uh, 48 hours and it's not clear that U.S. intelligence knows the answers.
1: Yeah, and in a um, an information gap, misinformation can rush in. And um, the amount of times I've read on the Internet that the Americans... Uh, if were if if not actually involved in this uh, uh, attempted coup, if that is indeed what it was, they at least um, offered encouragement. Is there any evidence to that? There's no evidence of that, and 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 they
0: would be, I mean, frankly, mad to have done that. I mean, you know, Twitter and the other social media platforms this weekend were awash with entirely unsubstantiated claims that Yevgeny Prigozhin is a CIA asset and that this was all being fermented by the United States. The last thing the, U- the US, NATO, the UK, France, Germany, anybody wants is for Yevgeny Prigozhin to end up with his fingers on the nuclear trigger. Because if you think... Vlad is mad. <laughs> Wait until you see Yevgeny Prigozhin. I mean, this guy is hard as nails. He has, he, he has no interest in engaging in any kind of civilised behaviour on the battlefield. Uh, he has no interest in engaging in civilised communication uh, with Vladimir Putin or the outside world. And, you know, I think what really spooked uh, Western governments yesterday, including the American government on Saturday was the vague possibility that Prigozhin's troops might reach Moscow and actually succeed in ousting Vladimir Putin. Donald Trump, I mean, proving that even a broken clock is right twice a day, <laughs> uh, took to Truth Social, his media social media platform yesterday, mm. and said, you know, be careful what you wish for in Russia, uh, because referring to Vladimir Putin, he said, the next in could be much worse. And in terms of Yevgeny Prigozhin, he's absolutely correct. I mean, There's another issue that this surfaces that is not, I think, getting sufficient attention. I mean, ever since the war in Ukraine began, uh, as we all know, Vladimir Putin has regularly made these kind of casual threats to use nuclear weapons. Well, if you ended up in a situation where you had a figure like Prigozhin with his finger on the nuclear trigger, the failure of Western governments, publicly at least, to begin a conversation about how much longer Russia can remain a nuclear-armed power uh, would, I think, be seen a, a, as a massive strategic error because, you, you know, if you don't want the Iranians and the North Koreans getting their hands on nuclear weapons, you definitely don't want Yevgeny Prigozhin get, getting his hands on them.
1: Yes. Um, let's move now to the, the big... Well, the other big drama of uh, the week, there there were many, um, at least two, to my knowledge, uh, other more uh, deadly catastrophes at sea, but the only one that caught the public's imagination was this submersible uh, of um, people going down to see the Titanic. Now, the uh, Americans uh, took a large part in the attempted research effort... Uh, with no success. And now they're saying that there's going to be uh, implications for uh, that kind of um, uh, adventure in the future. Yeah, and
0: I think there are going to be huge questions about why... Uh, this submersible was allowed to take people to their deaths in the waters off Nova Scotia. I mean, uh, of course, as there, certainly the story captured monumental amounts uh, of attention here, and uh, as I know you've been doing over the weekend, you know, one can debate uh, why uh, that should have been taking place, whether that's a a good thing or a bad thing, or whether our attention should have been focused on some of those other awful maritime uh, events that perhaps didn't secure enough attention, But what's interesting, I think, now is the fact that you have got multiple nations, including the UK, getting involved in the investigation into what took place. Uh, America's National Transportation Safety Board is there. The Canadian uh, equivalent is there. uh, The British Marine uh, Accident Investigation Branch is there. The French are there. Because, of course, they all lost nationals in uh, this disaster. And as they try to piece together what occurred, there's a couple of potential implications. I mean, first of all, there's the legal implication. If they do indeed uh, conclude that the submersible imploded because of a botched design, which clearly seems like the likely outcome, assuming they can gather uh, the actual evidence from the scene uh, to to justify that conclusion, then the company, Ocean Gate Expeditions, uh, is, you know, going to be on the receiving end end of all sorts of uh, litigation, uh, potentially by the families of the dead, uh, and uh, could also be on the receiving end uh, of criminal action by the Canadian government and the US government. Both of those are possible. But more broadly, this has put attention on an area of exploration Uh, that hasn't received enough attention in the past. I mean, if you look at the private efforts to go into space by Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson uh, and others, uh, that's received enormous amounts of attention. But this kind of uh, tourism by deep-sea explorers, uh, and there are uh, a handful of private companies out there uh, operating submersibles uh, that are willing to take people to uh, tremendously dangerous depths, has not received very much attention and certainly hasn't received very much regulatory attention. And so the idea that uh, the CEO of Ocean Gate Expeditions, you know, was sort of giving interviews last year showing quizzical reporters how, uh, you know, some would say, some actually warned that he had jerry-rigged this submersible, uh, you know, with the video game controller that operated it, uh, with with, uh, strip lights in the ceiling that he said he got from a local uh, Camper World store in Canada. Uh, I mean, it's pretty amazing that you could take uh, people, civilians, the on one of those expeditions without having to pass any kind of regulatory approval for the craft in which they were travelling. And that seems very likely to change, certainly on the part of the US authorities and on the part of the Canadian authorities. It's going to be much harder for private companies to operate in that space with that degree uh, of freedom from regulation. And I think there will be voices on Capitol Hill wondering uh, why the stable door is being being locked after uh, the horse uh, has bolted.
1: This almost certainly should never have happened. Uh, yes, quite. Um, and just finally, let's um, let's spare a thought for uh, two of. Spotify's biggest <laughs> signings who were uh, getting it in the neck from one of that company's executives this week.
0: Yes, they well they keep getting it in the neck. This of course is Megan and Harry uh, who had a uh, 25 million dollar deal with Spotify which yielded 12 episodes of the Archetypes podcast that was hosted by uh, the Duchess of Sussex. It's now been cancelled by Spotify uh, which has terminated its relationship. Uh, with the duke and the duchess uh, and we've had over the last couple of weeks a series of pretty scathing comments by spotify executives uh who uh, conceded in a call that they had uh overpaid uh for some of the projects that they had green lighted and seen underperformance from some of those projects most people took that to mean the archetypes uh, podcast uh there was also uh, another uh, executive uh who uh, in a podcast of his own Uh, said that uh, he would eventually reveal the details of a call that he had with Prince Harry uh, that he says was one of the more amazing calls of his experience in which it became pretty apparent uh, that the ideas that Meghan and Harry were developing in in exchange for that multi-million dollar contract were thinner than Spotify had anticipated. Now, they say, uh, and Netflix says, that their relationship with Netflix Uh, is uh, still secure and there are reports here uh, this weekend uh, via the wall street journal uh, that they're planning uh, some kind of prequel uh, a drama based on uh, charles dickens classic character uh, miss havisham from great expectations according uh, to the wall street journal this prequel will see the lonely spinster reimagined as a strong woman living in a patriarchal society although that show is currently only an idea and hasn't been greenlit. I think they've got an $80 million deal uh, with Netflix, uh, and uh, that appears at the moment to be safe. But certainly uh, the breach with Spotify does not appear to have been uh, entirely um, uh, amicable, uh, and certainly some of the comments that Spotify executives are making suggest that that company has regrets about the size of the financial agreement that it it reached with them uh, in exchange
1: for those 12 episodes of the Archetypes podcast. So 20 million from Spotify, 80 million from Netflix, I I guess they're just going to have to comfort themselves uh, (laughs) with that money and just try to struggle along on uh, the 100 million. One thing is for certain, we're in the wrong game. (laughs) No (laughs) doubt about that. Simon, good to talk to you. As always, Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent.